This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Welcome. Uh, I'm Tom Lincoln, uh, director of the Wharton Nation Brand Conference that's taking place on October 28th. Uh, We have a terrific lineup of speakers and panelists to discuss issues surrounding country brands. Our website is www.wartonnationbrandconference.com. Many of you who are listening likely know of member of the Knesset, Dr. Erel Margalit. He is not only a member of the Israeli Knesset, but also a renowned venture capitalist. He founded Jerusalem Venture Partners, and he has led 17 companies to exits. He is also a high-tech and social entrepreneur whose vision has led to the creation of cultural and business centers like the JVP Media Quarter in Jerusalem. Uh, Dr. Margalit, welcome to the podcast, and thank you very much for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, uh, 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 Dr. Margalit, in the book Startup Nation, released in 2009, you were mentioned as one of Israel's Startup Nation architects. As one of the primary people driving Israel's reputation for innovation and entrepreneurship, could you describe some of the innovations that have come out of Israel? I'm thinking of industries like uh, water, energy, agriculture, and high-tech. Yes. Um, Well, you know, Israel's big drive for um, uh, fusing fusing innovation and uh, business came in the 90s, when I think one of the major revolutions occurred where the telephone systems around the world turned from, um, you know, from voice, where you said, hello, mom, it's me, to data, um, where you really uh, uh, created the foundation of the communication infrastructure. And then today, um, this net, this very network serves as a big video network around the world. That had to do with um, defense-related technologies like optics and like wireless and like some of the big developments that occurred. And it was really uh, about making them civilian applications and the rise of venture capital in in Israel in the beginning of the 90s was a key force that merged together with the entrepreneurship, the science, uh, the American-style management that came into Israel during these years with companies like Intel, Motorola, Digital, IBM. And I think it led to one of the biggest revolutions. And we started with communication and software. It was the foundation of the Internet revolution as well. And in the current days, a lot of it is cybersecurity, something that I had the pleasure of investing in. It's the cybersecurity incubator that uh, I founded for the country in Beersheba. It's, um, you know, and it's new themes that are now coming together, like uh, the combination of food, agriculture, and healthcare, water technology, um, alternative energy, and a variety of additional uh, themes that need technology in order to transform themselves in the environment in which we live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's so interesting. And it, it, it's so interesting to me because uh, a lot of this innovation that's been coming out of Israel has been coming out for uh, a, a number of different decades. Um, 
one of your biggest successes has been to promote cooperative initiatives within Israel um, with a goal to turn different areas in the north and the south into international hubs of innovation. And I understand that you're now intending to do the same on the regional level. Uh, you have a new converging interests economic and security plan, um, and it aims to develop projects in which Israeli and Arab partners cooperate, a, a kind of startup region. Uh, what, what kinds of converging interests might lead to this cooperation? Well, you know, when just on the political level, whenever people talk about a, an agreement in the Middle East between the Israelis and the Palestinians, they usually confine it to what Israel needs to give up and to a very narrow political solution of a two-state solution between the Israelis and the Palestinians, which, uh, you know, we are all for. But one of the big themes that I'm talking about is not only what Israel needs to give up, in other words, you know, giving up land for, for peace, but also what it is that Israel can gain from its own interests, and what can the region gain from working together rather than just standalone uh, countries. And there are two major, um, you know, I would say, threats. One is many countries still feel quite threatened by Iran, and there's a big infusion of capital going into Iran. And the other is the rise of ISIS and fundamentalism, and a lot of that, when it meets poverty, uh, extremism becomes very dangerous. So one of the things that I'm saying to the countries around us, like Egypt, like Jordan, like the Saudi Arabia and the Gulf states, like Morocco or Tunisia, is, hey, this region uh, was called in ancient times the Fertile Crescent. And it's been a while since we have been using the very strong traditional cities like Cairo and Jerusalem and Amman and, uh, you know, Casablanca and other, other major cities in the region. And bringing the message of innovation and cooperation. And instead of standing and looking at the big influx of capital into Iran and just worrying about it, I'm saying let's create several big regional projects around water because the Middle East is drying up and Israel and some other countries have very strong water desalination technologies, irrigation technologies, something that the region needs in a big way agriculture, because the region needs to feed itself. There's a lot of people in the region, and many of the crops, because of the change in weather, need new strategy. And I think that the U.S. and Israel and Europe and different countries in the region can work together on agricultural strategies and food strategies that could feed the people in a way that would give more prosperity, uh, you know, and, and more day-to-day um, uh, existence to a lot of people, and then energy. Um, the region has been known for its fossil fuel energy, but today there are alternative energies, solar energies, and others that the region could be working on in order to um, move away from fossil fuels into, uh, into alternative energies, uh, which will keep the region cleaner. And then finally, technology. A lot of people have been talking about startup nation and how technology is very strong in Israel. But one of the things that I've seen in addition to that 
is that there are major hubs of growing innovation in other parts of the region as well, that as an Israeli, as an entrepreneur, as a venture capitalist, as a political figure that wants to bring innovation into the political world, I'm looking at themes that we can cooperate in places like Ramallah, in places like uh, Cairo and Amman, in places like Istanbul. Uh, and what I'm calling for, I'm saying, let's call it uh, the power of Yalla. Yalla in Arabic means let's move. And we're using that concept in Hebrew as well. And I'm saying, you know, if we wait for all the political figures to figure this out, we're going to wait for a long time. There is a new generation of innovators, of people that are saying what they can do rather than just what they cannot do. And I'm calling for um, a sort of project, regional project level uh, of different things that we can move together. And I'm, and I'm presenting this in different Arab countries. I'm presenting this in the U.S., in Europe, to the Chinese, to others who want to hear about this. And I'm saying, let's take some major themes and move them forward that would give a background to the political negotiations, but would also make the things that we can work on together tangible, real, and bring more prosperity to a lot of people in the region that are talented, that want a new chapter, and want to see how they can move the region forward rather than just look at each other through the lens of a gun. I, th- I just think that's absolutely fascinating. I, I, I think it's such a great idea to come up with a startup region. But I, I guess my next question would be, what opportunities do you see in your converging interests plan for new foreign investment in Israel coming from outside of the Middle East? You talked a little bit about the U.S. and Europe and China. Well, I think that there's a lot of projects and a lot of themes that um, are ready to be defined for international capital. Uh, You know, I brought more than nine countries to invest in JVP and the sovereign funds of these countries. But it's only when we defined a a well-strategized fund that had a focus, whether it was cybersecurity or communications, whether it was web, whether it was healthcare IT, um, the same thing goes for large infrastructure projects. And so if you're going to build a major airport between uh, Eilat and Aqaba in, uh, near the Red Sea, and you're going to involve both Jordan, Israel, the Saudis, and Egypt, you need uh, an economy of airports, you need a big plan, you need a big project. There will be quite a bit of capital that would be interested in investing in such a project, but it needs to be defined in a, in, a, in a way that the capital could understand. So what I'm looking for the governments to do is to give a framework of discussion. What I'm looking for entrepreneurs and local leaders and academic leaders to do is to identify, uh, and, and business leaders, of course, is to identify some of these big themes and to get into a process where some of these themes become real, tangible projects. And, um, you know, and also security. I mean, security is the big issue in the Middle East. Uh, we are in the midst of uh, very trying times. And so, um, 
but what I'm saying, it's not Arabs against Jews in the Middle East. It's extremists, whether they're ISIS or Al-Qaeda or Hezbollah or uh, the, the militant factions of Hamas, against those that are willing to stand against them, um, countries that are ready to be moderate. Some of them are even ready for more democratic processes. Some of them are not. But, um, you know, countries that are willing to, to stand up to extremism and need cross-border cooperation on the security level as well. Because if you're going to protect the airports, if you're going to, going to protect uh, the banks, if you're going to protect the utility companies or the energy companies, you need cross-border technology security cooperation that the region needs to address because it's not that the U.S. and Russia are going to always intervene. It's the countries of the regions that need to work together if they're going to um, protect the civil society and they're going to allow their people uh, to move on rather than face extremism in different parts of the region. You know, I think one of the things that's interesting about that is that if you increase the economic prosperity of the region, some of those security issues might actually become a little less um, uh, uh, tense. Um, And I think it's interesting because you're one of the people who's best positioned to help bring investors and projects together. Um, You founded Jerusalem Venture Partners in the early 1990s. So you've been doing this for a very, very long time. Um, And I know that JVP has been instrumental in building dozens of high-tech startups uh, into global corporations. I'd be interested to know how you see the venture capital industry in Israel having changed over the last 25 years? Well, you know, um, I think the world has changed in a big way um, uh, due to technology. We're seeing it on the West Coast, on the East Coast. We're seeing it in places in Europe. And we're seeing it in a big way uh, in Israel. I think technology has been a driver in a lot of, a lot of the uh, uh, you know, revolutions that we had in our daily lives. But I also think that now we're, uh, we need to be embarking on new themes. We need to feed the world in a, in a better way. Food needs to be, processed food needs to be something that uh, heals people rather than makes them, uh, you know, brings about disease like sugar or, um, you know, different, different substances that will need to be replaced in our ordinary food. And I think that food is going to be a big source of healing um, rather than chemical drugs. That's going to be a big theme in the next few years, and I think that there's, there's a lot of cooperation between nations that needs to occur, and the venture capital community will need to see how they could make a profit in investing in some of these themes around medical food, around healing food and wellness. I also think that, you know, uh, environment, water, all of these themes are going to be big themes for large urban communities around the world. And once you have strategies that make sense, you will need technology and you will need investments. Some of them would, need, would be early stage and some of them would need to be more project um, investments if these things are going to be working. And you need to make it profitable for the investors so that it's not just a social profit um, endeavor. It needs to be something that the investment community could really enjoy. So I think the venture capital industry, both in Israel 
and in our neighborhood and around the world needs to transform different themes, not only in terms of things that we were doing in the past, um, like communications or software or web um, or, you know, biotechnology, but also some new themes that I think could be exciting socially, but could be very beneficial from an investment standpoint as well. You know, uh, I, I noticed um, that the Chinese had um, been involved in purchasing some of Israel's great food brands. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm interested to know your take on um, large investments in Israel from China. Have those dried up because of the turbulence in the Chinese economy? Or is Chinese investment in Israel still growing? No, I think I think the the Chinese are are still trying to find their ways into Israel in different strategies. One of which is technology. So the fund that I that I was managing, that you know, JVP has quite a bit of uh, Chinese investors, um, and I think that large Chinese uh, uh, technology companies and and large Chinese financial investors are trying to find their way into Israeli innovation. Also food, um, uh, that's true. And what I'm calling for is not only food companies, but also food innovation and food security. That's a big theme that I think the Chinese are worried about. Um, But what I'm, you know, I got Israel to invest in the Chinese infrastructure bank um, because it's the Silk Road Bank that's investing to the West. And I'm saying, please don't put all your West looking projects into Iran, come to Israel, come to regional projects around Israel, Jordan, Egypt, and so on. But, you know, the Chinese love big infrastructure projects and building projects. Um, But in order to bring capital, I know from my years of experience, you need to package the project in a way that the investor could understand what needs to be done and how they can make their, uh, you know, their rate of return. And I think that's the goal of the business leaders and the political leaders um, and the local leaders in the next few years. And I think that the more examples we have, the more capital will find itself in our region and help transform it. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of those examples, because you're the chair of the Knesset Task Force for Economic Development in the north and the south of Israel. And I'd love to talk to you a little bit about your work transforming regions of Israel into international economic hubs. Um, you'd mentioned earlier Beersheba, and I, I'd like to hear from you a little bit about what the process was for transforming Beersheba from a desert into a cybersecurity capital. Well, one of the things I like best is the economy of inclusion. In other words, um, a lot of times uh, there's, a, there's a debate between uh, right-leaning economic theories and left-leaning economic theories. I love public-private partnerships. I love to bring the business community to make a profit in a region where I need to make a social profit. And so if I can, and, and many regions that are left behind uh, are used to thinking small, and I like cities and regions to think big, just like I'd like startups to think big in order to win against the large companies. 
And so one of the things that we were able to do in Beersheba is instead of thinking, well, what a little bit of software development or a medical development we can do here and there, uh, we created the number one cybersecurity hub for innovation. And I created this with a JVP incubator when I was still an entrepreneur. And then as a public figure, I was able to help bring some of um, the American large companies like Lockheed Martin and Oracle and IBM and and EMC and others to come into the region, each one of them benefiting from a large cybersecurity project and that they were undertaking. They got um, a big uh, number of very talented young engineers that were hungry to succeed. We got, and so they got profitable projects, we got, as a country, we got uh, uh, thousands of, of young, young uh, you know, jobs, quality jobs of people that are making a uh, good living and are being able to drive innovation forward. And so from a region that was left behind in the desert, suddenly this becomes a thriving city that is part of Israel's 21st century economy. And in order to succeed in Israel, with innovation, you need to become not only uh, a national center, you need to become an international center. And that's why we have so many American companies, European companies, and others joining this initiative. And uh, this is one very good example. Uh, you know, I, I'm also interested, um, because you've done some urban development as well, and that uh, I'd like to hear a little bit about the JVP Media Quarter um, that you built in Jerusalem and its impact on culture as well as business in that city. Yes, well, you know, I, for, for years I was working in Jerusalem creating companies and in industrial high-tech uh, park um, on the outskirts of the city and when the intifada, in the midst of the second intifada in 2002-2003, I decided to come into the city, into the old train station. It was the old Mint building overlooking the old city. And to say, we are now taking innovation to transform Jerusalem and to give it hope, uh, much like uh, many Americans needed to do in New York after 9-11. And we took very old buildings, renovated them, old train station warehouses, renovated them, and created a media quarter with media companies, with startups, with incubators, um, with cultural centers where live music, together with other performing arts, with uh, restaurants, and then with the largest social project, which I'm so proud of that I built together with my wife, it's called in the community, which really works worked over the years with 27,000 kids from underprivileged neighborhoods in both Jewish and Arab communities. And it, it's part of the mentality of transforming the society around us, not just the brightest people and the smartest people, but, but, but everyone, everyone. And, and because it's social entrepreneurs, cultural entrepreneurs and business entrepreneurs working together inside the city, it is infectious. Just like despair is infectious, when you create something positive, it's infectious as well. And so a lot of other people decided to start companies, to start ideas, 
And, you know, in a matter of uh, about 10, 15 years, there's more than 37,000 jobs in technology. Each one of these jobs has about three jobs in small businesses, academic services, uh, social services, culture, and so on. And so it's really taking Jerusalem from a city that was in a very dark moment of despair with suicide bombers into a city that still has its problems but is finally having a model of coexistence, of building companies, of building creative things, because a city with a, with a heavy load of history always needs a new theme of current creativity if it's going to continue to thrive. And now you're going to take that positive outlook and you're going to turn to the north um, uh, uh, with the food tech and wellness industry. And I wonder if you could define that for me and tell us a little bit how that's uh, impacting uh, the Galilee region. Yes, so the Galilee is sometimes referred to in Hebrew as the periphery, peripheria. And this is ridiculous. It's one of the most beautiful, lush um, landscapes. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, has the highest mountains and the lowest valleys. And it has great agri- agricultural um, uh, heritage. Um, yet the cities of the galleys really need an infusion of energy and innovation. And so when we looked what the galley could do that it could lead the country with, we looked at co- the combination of the agricultural revolution, the healthcare revolution, and food. And we are creating the Food Tech Incubator, one of the, the largest in the country. Uh, we have partnered together with Rutgers Universities in New Jersey. I was actually meeting today uh, some, some large French companies, Italian companies. that we're, lo- we're looking to bring international players into the region, just like we did in the cybersecurity in the South. And the nice thing about it, it's, it's a combination of communities in the north. It's the kibbutzim. The, the, you remember the, the kibbutzim is the agricultural communities. It's the small cities. It's the Arab young uh, community that are really people with quite a bit of education that want to get involved, want to be part of Israel's uh, economic strategy, and um, really have quite a bit of agricultural heritage as well as their education. So it's taking a region that is beautiful in the way it looks, but is somewhat behind in terms of its economic uh, drive and taking a lot of the goodwill that exists towards the Galilee and bringing innovation into this, allowing young people, young Jewish people, young Arab people to stay, to thrive, to build companies, ideas. Um, And and I think that when you have um, the cities working together with the uh, you know, with the um, more the agricultural communities, uh, you create a kind of excitement that I think the Galilee needs today uh, in order to get on the map of the world innovation, uh, 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 one of the one, one of the world's innovation places. And I think the wellness is a big theme for Israel and other countries to embark on. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's a it's a theme that is very relevant for other countries in the region as well. I think that's right. And could you talk a little bit about how um, what you're doing in Haifa might be a little different? Uh, I know you're also planning on turning Haifa into a region of excellence. Yeah, so Haifa is actually a city 
where a lot of Israel's innovation began, in the Technion, which is a great academic institution. And Intel has designed many of their uh, chips there, and um, Apple and some other com- co- companies as well. And uh, But now we're, we're embarking on, on some new theme in Haifa. We're, we're thinking about healthcare IT. It's the combination of healthcare strategies with IT strategies, and it's doing it again in the old seaport of Haifa, uh, an area that was neglected and left behind. Um, and it's uh, one of these classic places where you have large uh, buildings um, that were warehouses, and it's exactly the kind of place where innovation uh, can meet young people, can meet academic strategies, can meet small businesses, uh, sort of like a Dumbo in New York or a seaport uh, section. And um, we, we're very excited about this because there's a lot of talent, but we need a great story and an urban story where the young people can get excited about, just like we had in Jerusalem. And we think it could be a thriving place. What's interesting to me about this is that all of these examples of projects that you are um, developing are also helping to build Israel's brand uh, and to to uh, uh, build it in a, in a really positive way. Um, I, I'm afraid that we're running a little uh, low on time. I did want to ask you one final question, though, which is that the the whole world mourned over the passing of President Shimon Peres. I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how he impacted Israel's nation brand. Yeah, so I think that Shimon Peres has been a great, um, a great inspirational leader uh, for many of us in Israel. Together with Yitzhak Rabin, I think in 1992, uh, people don't realize how big of a change their language, their attitude, their strategy created in the country. Uh, for many of us, uh, you know, we were then the young generation. We got two calls. One was a call to our neighbors and to the Palestinians and to the Arab world. Let's try to work together. Let's try to resolve the differences between us. And um, we are we have been fighters for this country. We will defend this country, but out of strength, we want to try to come to a resolution. That was a big big message and a big sign. And the other was internally within Israel, you know, saying that, you know, remember we had about one million new immigrants from what was the former Soviet Union. We needed jobs. And the message was innovation. Let's, um, let's go. Let's create an innovation economy, a new economy something that will bring new ideas, something that will work on a win-win strategy with different countries around the world. And I think my generation got the message, and we went out to do it. And I think that now it's time for people from the startup nation era to come and transform the political landscape a little bit as well and to bring win-win strategies to the region. Yes, we need to defend our country. We need strong armies. We need to be strong. But we also need to identify the opportunities in the region, and we need to rebrand not only the startup nation, but the startup region, and give people hope and something to look for so that despair will not lead them to strategies which you know everybody loses from. 
Well, thank you so much, uh, Errol. I uh, really appreciate your being uh, with us uh, today uh, and uh, telling us some of your really fascinating ideas for how to improve uh, not only Israel but that region. And really, I think these are a lot of these are, are really great lessons for the rest of the world about regional cooperation. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, and uh, looking forward to seeing you and uh, being part of your conference next year as well. Yes, thank you so much, uh, and have a wonderful day. Thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.